it's a long leap for the universe and a short leap for us listeners to this podcast this is throwback to school we're in space <laughs> where we review things that are in space and we see if these still float out there or not this is your wonderful host that knows what they're doing liza <laughs> and join with me in the most pristine seasonal astronaut suit andrew takahashi andrew's in space um yeah andrew's in space i love that intro liza what a great natural intro um here we are in space um talking about space which is which is of course the 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 uh mission statement of this podcast was to eventually get to a point where we were in space talking exclusively about space yeah, fuck y'all humans. Yeah, fuck y'all earthbound humans. We in space, <laughs> and we only talking We've, about space. We elevated now. Hell yeah, hell yeah. Also, um, what's what's the what's the Neil Armstrong quote to you? What what do you think it is? Um, uh, um, um, uh, um <laughs> uh, a a giant leap for humanity. What did I say? Mm-hmm. A, a, a short leap for the rest of us. That's right. That's right. That is exactly what he said. The famous words when he landed on the moon, a big leap for us and like a shorter leap for the rest of you. Um, yeah. Liza, thank you. Especially the Russians. Yeah. Especially the Russians. Um, thank you for indulging me on this, uh, space voyage. Um, I'm happy to, to be with you in space. Sure. Let's engage. Yeah. <laughs> Andrew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, let's, let's get to the meat. How are you doing? Um, I'm doing pretty good. Um, we we are talking about something that is near and dear to my heart, so I feel pretty fulfilled. How are you? Uh yeah, same. Uh yep. We're in November and mm-hmm. uh staying cozy at home is just appropriate. Mm-hmm. Yep. And uh, of course, we are both, uh, both of our beards are growing in because it's no shave November. So, um, how do you like mine? It's full. It's, uh, as uh, the guy in uh, Hot Fuzz said, it's a great big bushy beard. So, <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Trimmed so. it myself. Mm hmm. Well, you shouldn't. Um, you shouldn't in November because no shave November. So, well, you give it a shape, or do you just like let it grow? I thought it was uh, a lot like my favorite song from Frozen. I think you just let it grow. <laughs> I'm a novice at this. This yeah. is my first is your... no shave November. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> I'm glad that you're participating in it with me. Um, we both love beards a lot. So yeah, we yeah. look great in them. Mm-hmm. Um, Andrew, Speaking we of beards watched. Yeah, speaking of beard, mm-hmm. uh, how about that Riker beard? Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. You know that's what I was thinking of when I said that. Uh, this week we watched a small little indie movie. Okay, okay. From 1996 called Star Trek First Contact. First Contact. Uh it was my first time watching it, but it was not your first time watching it. You a big fan? Mm-hmm. Tell us, tell us the the plot, and tell us uh, how you came about this movie. I would be delighted to. And in fact, before I get fully into the plot, Liza, did Uh-oh. you see a young actor at the yes. beginning of the movie? Young yes. Adam Scott, baby. Oh my gosh! I'm so glad. I was gonna like list it later. I what a cutie! I, oh my god! I had forgotten. He, he's sort of like in the dark, so yeah. like it's not the most obvious cameo, but I saw I recognize him right away. Yeah, like something about like the shape of his face and then his voice, and I like screamed at mm-hmm. the television. Mm-hmm. It was like full on, like oh my god, it's Michael, it's Adam Scott. <laughs> and brian was like what what are you talking about no it's not him and we had to rewind and watch it again and i was like that's that's adam scott and then he uh, he turns 
and you can see his profile. Yeah. And then that's when Brian believed me. Um, Sir, it's the Enterprise. And I was like, that's, I forgot. Yes, Adam Scott. Um, I had, so I'm, I'm going to, so when we texted about what we were going to do, mm-hmm. I said we should do First Contact, even though it's not the first movie. And then I started to have doubts about like, ah, maybe we should do the first movie. And then once Adam Scott was on screen, I was like, fuck it. Like, that's a, <laughs> that's enough of a reason right there. We're doing this movie. Um, he, yeah, it was a really pleasant surprise. I was like, he was 23 at the time. How did he do this before what he's famous for? That's right. insane. Yeah. Um, so Star Trek First Contact is about a, they have a conflict that's the, you know, the Federation. We're in Star Trek world. The Federation are having a conflict with the Borg. The Borg are heading straight to Earth to assimilate Earth. Um, they get into this big space battle with a bunch of ships, including the Defiant, which is captained by uh, Lieutenant Commander Worf and helmed by yeah, Adam Scott. And the Enterprise comes in. They they save the day. They blow up the Borg ship, but a small Borg sphere escapes. It time travels back to 21st century Earth. The Enterprise gets caught in its wake and time travels back with it. Um, the Borg are going back to assimilate uh, 21st century Earth so that the future Earth is just a Borg planet and the Federation doesn't exist. So the Enterprise travels back with them. They end up in the 21st century. They have to help uh, the human uh, population down there is doing their first warp flight. And it is historic because it's the first time they would come in contact with the Vulcans who they form the Federation with. So it's a very historic flight. The Borg are trying to stop it. The Borg end up getting onto the Enterprise, assimilating half of the Enterprise, and it's sort of a race of will they launch this historic ship and get the attention of the Vulcans, or will the Borg succeed in assimilating the entire population of the Enterprise and therefore assimilating Earth? And the famous scientist that the entire Starfleet like was trained to learn his discoveries is a drunk on the planet yeah. in the 21st century uh played by James Cromwell who's mm-hmm. a giant amazing actor who loves Star Trek he does yeah he oh, he, he would he would he later like went on to like be like a couple different aliens in like the TV nice. shows. Yeah, he's 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 a Star Trek fan. That's awesome. I he's always playing the like old hippies, so I kind of like keep him in a soft spot in my heart. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, "Oh, James Cromwell, you'll always like yeah, I don't know, like very close to always smoking a doobie." Like Yeah, yeah. I don't know. He's just always this like calm figure. That's why he also played in um, Six Feet Under, which I think is like the main show I've seen him in. And he always has the same type of character. And it was lovely to see him in that. And he plays this like most of what you see, like they convince him that he becomes this like super important scientist that like everybody relies on in terms of like his research. But he thinks of himself as just like a drunk or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so he plays like, a, a rude drunko yeah. most of the movie which was really different that was really fun and then also alfrey woodard mm-hmm. plays this like badass uh i don't know warrior person i don't she- know if she's supposed to be like a trained warrior or she's just like cool like that i have no idea they so they they sort of established that in the 20 this is takes place in like 2065 or something Mm -hmm. and there has been a third world war at this point Mm -hmm. and like there are like no longer world governments there's no longer and so it's like factions of people are kind of what is left and so i think you're supposed to be led to believe that she's probably like been a soldier in this war for a while. And so she's, she's kind of like, there's a little bit of like renegade to her. Like, yeah, it's like Mad Max. So she's, she's a part. She might have had training. Yeah. She, um, like she is, I think a partner to James Cromwell's character in the movie where like, I think they're working on this project together, but she's kind of, 
he's a little more like you could tell like a little bit more of a goof off and and you know like you said a drunk and she's probably the one who keeps him on task but like they don't yep. show a ton of them together in the movie because they get separated pretty early like she ends up yeah. on the enterprise for a, a right. good portion of the movie and a lovely very uh chemistry filled bonding session with captain uh patrick patrick stewart, uh, stewart. Yeah, yeah this is a um <clears throat> i was so i growing up love star trek and i especially next generation is what i grew up with and so I love this cast and like I, you know, watching this movie, it was very stark to me just how much the main crew other than Picard and Data really don't have a lot to do in this movie and like Worf a little bit, but like mm-hmm. Dr. Crusher, uh, Counselor, Counselor Troy, Commander Riker just don't really have a lot to do. Like Jordy mm-hmm. doesn't really have a lot to do in this movie either and- Alfred Woodard gets like a huge role in this. Like she's, she's kind of like his, like the person that, that Patrick Stewart ends up with a lot in the movie. Mm -hmm. Their chemistry is great. Like they, they act really well together. Like this is maybe one of Patrick Stewart. Like he is so good in this movie. Like Mm -hmm. there's a, there's a big backstory to this movie where in the TV show, Picard gets assimilated by the Borg and he becomes a Borg for a couple episodes and they have to like, you know, they, they end up getting him back, but he's traumatized by this for like the rest of the show. Like it comes up every once in a while. And this movie opens with like a a nightmare that he's having where he's being assimilated again. And then he wakes up and it's a fake wake up because then like something pops out of his face and then he has the real wake up. Mm -hmm. Um, so he's clearly very traumatized by this. And that sort of stuff comes up where like, there's a scene where he and Alfred Woodard, um, trick a couple Borg into coming into the holodeck and he turns off the safety and like shoots him with like a Tommy gun. And then he's like going nuts. And he's like, and she's like, I think you got him. And he's just like, he is just so dead set on like killing these people who have like hurt him. mm -hmm. He's like out for revenge. Yeah. And like that sort of acting is not Mm -hmm. something he typically does on Star Trek. So like to see him, you know, the scene where she's like, destroy you know like he basically Worf tells him we have to destroy the ship to get rid of the Borg and Picard's like I won't sacrifice the ship and he's being really stubborn and he has this big argument with Alfred Woodard in his in his ready room and he's he smashes against the wall and he's just like no no like and it's just like this is stuff he doesn't do on the show yeah it's really cool to see and also I don't know if you noticed this but there's a scene late in the movie where he's like traversing these uh wires in a tank top and he's kind of ripped i was like <laughs> i was like man like i did not see it's, attention. i was i was like because i've seen the movie enough where like i know what's happening that's and so i was checking out those guns and i was like man like patrick stewart's like he's acting like he's acting bigger than usual and he's looking bigger <laughs> than usual my man is looking pretty swole so that's so funny it's so funny you say that because also at the very beginning of the movie um i sort of realized that there's the the acting and like in general at the beginning when they're on the enterprise and especially between the the crew members and especially between um patrick stewart and Riker. Mm -hmm. um where the dialogues are very monotone and it's very like sort of there's no emotion in the face and so they're like even if they're sort of like it's I guess if you pay attention to the words they might be having like somewhat of an argument or like they're talking through a problem but you cannot tell from their tone it's just very like and then we're going to do this but what about this commander no we're going to keep doing this like it's it's very like one way and and I remember thinking like, oh, I think this is like part of my like this is the barrier that I cr- that I come across with like what I imagine a lot of um, sci-fi, especially from like eighties, nineties, is mm-hmm. where I like sort of it's easy for me to disconnect and like sort of get bored in a way is because of like the monotoneness of everything and like yeah. 
and like the straight lace thing but then later on you're right it's like he's having he's like being triggered for for like from trauma of like mm-hmm. being uh um mutilated <laughs> like it gets pretty intense yeah. and um and he like loses his shit and I was like here you go you got me back <laughs> like, <laughs> I I see like my interest is peaked <laughs> um so I'm glad you pointed it in that way because I remember like at the beginning I was like this is very like everything is sort of monotone but it's a great contrast with like to show Patrick Stewart's uh, I keep wanting to say Patrick Swayze and he's not the same person <laughs> no. at all although their arms like, might be the same size in this so movie, yeah <laughs> he might have he might have reached he might have reached uh, Swayze hunkiness in this movie oh sure sure I guess I believe you um anyway it was uh overall I I thought it was pretty good. It has like a good pace um, to the movie. The part we can get into it later. I do have like questions. Yeah, go for it now. Let's uh, ask those questions okay. now. So, question one is the one thing that I couldn't figure out from not having watched like I mean I've watched like some episodes of the show and I have no I didn't watch the first movie. So, do they ever explain how Jordy stops? wearing the visor there's not like a a prolonged um explanation of it like in the in star trek generations like there's so malcolm mcdowell plays a character in the first movie where he kind of like makes a snide remark about how like you know you could just like augment your eyes or something or get like an implant or whatever and you don't have to wear that ugly visor and like there's not like a sign like there's no like procedure that shows him getting his eyes worked on it's just sort of like you know he has enhanced like his vision is is hampered like he's blind in his actual pupils and so he needs the visor to see so like when they in the next movie when he just has these like you know rotating gears or something working in his eyes mm-hmm. you just sort of like oh okay he got a procedure done between this and the last movie oh okay but it's like not part of the plots no 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 oh interesting um because that was one of the first things like oh he's not wearing the visor anymore oh i missed something between i guess they just like made an aesthetic yeah choice and they were like let's keep going with it yeah i mean there's a there is a significant time jump between movie one and movie two because in at the end of the first movie their ship is destroyed and so this the first contact is the first time you see this new enterprise so they have had to have built a completely new starship and then also in that time Jordy apparently got lasik or something so oh lasik <laughs> um okay that makes sense the uh other thing well it's not really a question it's just when i i watched it on prime and it like when you first click on the movie it it gives you sort of this little warning in the corner that's like this is for adults or like not little kids, you know, like a PG warning or whatever. And it said drug use, uh, maybe like light violence or something like that. And then um, sexuality. And my first inclusion was like drug use. Okay. This, I have no idea what this plot is about Uh (laughs) though. And then we get into the movie and then, um, and then the, Data gets abducted onto the uh, Borg ship where the like like Mother Borg is mm-hmm. where she like is the she's not a she she's a robot but whatever like the, the female acting robot uh, who like sort of is the main frame like she commands the rest of the Borg and so if she gets killed then the rest of them diffuse like yeah. they, not, they don't exist. Um and she's sort of this floating head with a spine thing, and mm-hmm. then they just like attach her to a rando body. Um, that's she's creepy as shit. Yeah. First, number one, like that actress, I was like, damn, mm-hmm. like I've never seen a creepier female robot. Like, holy shit, the voice, the the makeup with like 
sort of like the front of the face she's very obviously she was a very pretty actress Mm -hmm. but then they like made her skin sort of look like translucent so you sort of see like these veins or something under her and then the back every time you see the back of her head it's just these giant wires coming out and are like hanging broken spine and and her voice gives you like chills she's very creepy she has a very haunting voice yeah you're right about that yeah and she like it's like haunting but then as soon as she starts talking to data it becomes this very like asmr like hypersexual mm-hmm. robot thing and i was like wait i thought the sexual warning was going to be because of uh alfie Woodard and and patrick stewart getting it on but now <laughs> it's gonna be robo porn like what's happening <laughs> there's like a whole scene where she like like she like is trying to convince as they're like working on data to like change his composition they like add organic matter so like like human pieces to him to sort of like she like has this whole speech about like this is how he became advanced is by like combining what's good about humans but what's best about borgs and yeah and he's like there's you're it's not gonna work and like he's being sort of resistant at first and then she like tries to convince him that he should like go to the dark side or whatever by like with these like sexual innuendos and I was like what's happening <laughs> like <laughs> like who wrote this it's hilarious like it was like I don't know they did a really good job because at first I was like uncomfortable because well I thought it was weird and funny and then it turned into like uncomfortableness and I was like I guess the writing and the acting is really good because mm-hmm. like these robots and this lady talking about like getting it on or whatever and like data being like I've, i haven't had sex in eight years or whatever yeah. <laughs> it was so fun like i was like i'm really creeped out what like they're doing this really well i'm not sure why like so she <laughs> was how. a she was a an original character created for the movie the borg queen okay because <clears throat> up to this point we'd just seen the Borg, like, drones, you know, we'd seen the cubes and stuff. So, like, she was a, an original character created for the movie. So the first time any Star Trek fan had seen this character was on the movie screen. And she was, yeah, it was very much like, you know, I was, like, 12 years old seeing this movie in the theater. And I was just like, oh, my God, there's, like, a leader of the Borg. And, like, she, yeah, you're right. Like, her sort of, like, she only... She only raises her voice once in the movie, and it's very effective because the rest of the movie, she's just sort of like she's very like, Data. This is how things are going to happen, Mister. You know, yeah. Captain Picard. This is how it's going to happen. Like, she has a such a level of confidence that when, spoiler at the for the end of the movie, when Data kind of turns on her, she has this like Data, like this shrill like you know wow like mm-hmm. reaction. It's like it's very effective because the whole movie, she's like sultry, confident. She's, you know, like you said, like she's kind of flirting with Data. Yeah. And like when Picard shows up, she's very much like, I, you don't matter to me. Like, fuck, like I can do yeah, whatever like I she's, want. Yeah, like she's thought about all the pieces. Like yeah. there's no, she's no doubt in her mind that they figured out how to, how to make what they want to happen work. Yeah. And whatever humans try to come like stop her, like that's not, nothing is going to work because she's so evolved. Like yeah. she just believes in her supreme being bullshit and yeah yeah do you have any other movie star trek questions oh oh. (laughs) um the other thing that i had to like (laughs) i requested that we pause the movie so Uh i could like walk through my like logic to brian um and he was kind enough to indulge me but this is like one of the things I I'm like we're doing time travel is just so like hard right like it's so easy to find like wait a minute this doesn't make any fucking sense uh-huh. like <laughs> and I had a moment of like that of like forgetting to suspend my disbelief and also realizing that there's a huge pattern between what I was thinking and what happens in a different Star Trek movie, a more recent one uh, with uh, Leonard Nimoy and uh, Zachary Quinto and mm-hmm. all that, that cast. Um, 
is so the idea is that so they meet whatever his uh james cromwell's character name is zephram cochrane Cochrane. yeah and they basically they're like wow the zephram cochrane who like discovered super like uh for speed or like wait yeah warp and they all like star all starfleet have like because they're all or a majority of them are like have studied a lot of physics to like be part of starfleet and so they're huge like science knowledge like they've studied all that stuff and including his discovery yeah and like and so uh jordy like sort of like quote-unquote spills the beans by just like telling him everything your, like, your statue is right here yeah my high the, school yeah. was named after you and like a whole chapters of my textbooks were named after. like he just unravels yeah but not even like like he doesn't feel bad at all he's like well i should probably not tell you this but anyway move on like i'm just gonna tell you everything that's gonna happen and only once Riker is like, what the fuck, dude? Like, uh, yeah, why that, did you tell him everything? You told him about the um, statue. And so, <laughs> yeah. um, and so, and, and so the character Zephram is a very like perplexed and like, doesn't believe it. And he's just like, what are you guys talking about? Because like to him, he's like, I'm just, I'm just a nobody kind of thing. And um, there's no way I'm going to discover this uh, huge physics like problem. Mm-hmm. And anyway, the the sort of thing that I, I'm like, this doesn't make any sense because the idea, what's the chicken and what's the egg here? Because if he hasn't discovered it in his, in, in Zephram's time, he hasn't discovered it yet. But then these Starfleet people show up and they're like, you're going to discover this. And like, here's the solution. Did he really discover it then? Well, so the, in the, in the timeline of the show he was well on his way to discovering warp and having it ready but because the borg attacked it set him back that's when they came back to help so Mm. in the timeline that they're all living in he did he did all the work and discovered warp travel on his own because like that that stuff was already like they sort of like patched the fixes of like things that like broke because the borg attacked and so he and that would was... be after he <clears throat> met the 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 Vulcans for the first time. No, that would be before. Like because, he... sorry, go ahead. Okay. Yeah. No, no, no. And okay, that I didn't understand because I was like, so basically, what they're saying is like, you discovered this, but also we're going to give you the answer, and then still like in their time, but in their timeline like he discovered it but it says nothing in the books that starfleet members showed up but wearing gave him the answers uh so that broke my brain a little bit and then it made me think about the same i recall the same thing happening in i forget which star trek movie it is but it's the one where uh kirk gets like banned onto the ice planet with old Leonard Nimoy. Oh, it's the that's... first the first new Star Trek movie. Yeah. And then separately there's a scene where where Kirk is trying to get back to the uh like I think at that point he has time traveled. Yes. Oh no, it's it's uh, it's Zachary Quinto that finds uh Simon Pegg's character in like some bunker somewhere with his friend that's like a bubbly alien yeah. dude yeah and the same thing happened where he's like you're gonna like warp me you're gonna invent like hyper warp or whatever and he's like what i haven't done that and he's like yeah yeah yeah. we're gonna be like friends and we work together and i just i, I need your equipment and this is the like equation and then he looks at the equation and he's like of course like that's what i was missing and i remember thinking like wait but didn't he just give him the answer now like so, he didn't actually and like later on the 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 math problem is is called after simon pig's character and that's why like i was like oh it's the same thing again so in the in the in the new star trek the um the star trek and then star trek into darkness and star trek beyond that mm-hmm. is called the 
I think it's called like the Kelvin timeline. And so Ooh. that timeline is separate from the Star Trek that Leonard Nimoy comes from. So in the Star Trek timeline that Leonard Nimoy comes from, which is the one that now includes Star Trek Next Generation and the movie we just watched, mm -hmm. Scotty would have come up with that equation on his own in a longer series of events. Mm. And because, you know, I mean, the, the, the frustrating thing about Star Trek movies is the Federation has a... I'm, I'm sorry if this is just so fucking nerdy and stupid, um, but... Um, <laughs> The Federation has strict guidelines on temporal, like messing with time and sort mm -hmm, of like, mm -hmm. so like the fact that Jordy is like, yeah, you have a statue here and my high school is named after you. And like all these people are like, you're a hero. I love you so much that like they're interfering so much with the past. Mm -hmm. And the reason why they don't like the Federation has strict rules against messing with time or messing with other cultures is because they don't want to affect the natural progress of time or, or you know, of civilizations. Yeah. And so having Jordy just being like, I shouldn't tell you this stuff, but here's all the stuff is like, <laughs> you're an, you're an officer, dude. Like you are, you should know that this is not part of what you're supposed to be doing. And part of, of why the, you know, the, the JJ Abrams Star Trek movies are on a different timeline is because they changed so much about the past that they are now on their own separate timeline. Yeah. Anyway, it's like tricky parts about like having time travel in your yeah. movies or yes. stories. It's just like really it's hard to like close the loop and still be somewhat logical. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I agree. I will um, agree with that, yeah. But I, I mean, it doesn't make a movie bad, right? Like, it's just because it's already like a weird. Or, or, and I forgot that what you just explained to me that they, it's actually like they're fixing the fact that the Borg fucked up with the timeline already yeah. of of things going one way. Um, and so they're trying to fix it back. Um, I totally forgot about that, but that makes more sense. Uh, I, I would have taken more Jordy. I do think I really like him. I like Data too, mm -hmm. but oh, and I love the counselor, at least from what I had seen from the show. I really liked the counselor. So I definitely could have taken like more counselor moments. Drunk? But if it means that I got more Alfred Woodward yeah. for it, I'm like, eh, that's fine. It's a nice, <laughs> it's a fun, it's a fair trade off. Drunk Deanna yeah. was really like, that's a very fun scene where she's like, she's drunk in the bar. Right. And Riker's on something like, called tequila. Yeah. And Riker's just like, are you drunk? And she's like, you're talking about time. There's no time to talk about time. Like she's, <laughs> she's very fun in that scene. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, so you said you saw it when you were 12. Yeah. Did you see it in theaters? Yeah, absolutely. <gasps> Did you go with friends, family? I, no, I probably own? dragged my family. Like at least my, one of my parents to the movie. I yeah. don't remember exactly who went. I would guess... So my childhood best friend, Nick, and I were like both really into Star Trek. Mm -hmm. And I assume I went to the movie with him because we were still both really into Star Trek at this point. So we might have gone together, but I think this is a PG-13 movie. And so you would need a parent. So one of us, yeah, probably needed one of our parents to go. But yeah, we I, we, I assume we would have seen it together. Mm -hmm. And is this a movie that you revisit often or or have you not done that in a while not in a while i think like i have it on dvd i probably had it on vhs and probably watched it maybe once in the last like 10 years or so mm -hmm. but um mm -hmm. it's not a movie i regularly revisit but you know i rewatch star trek all the time so it's it's not out of the realm of possibility that i might just start rewatching the movies too yeah. And so when you when we were texting about your pick, you said that you wanted before you remembered that beautiful baby Adam Scott was mm -hmm. cameoed in it. You said that you liked this one more than the first one. Do yeah. you remember why? The first one is just kind of it's <clears throat> it's I, I like Generations, which is the first one. I think this is a better it's a better movie just because, like, I think it's a little bit of a cleaner story. Um, mm. The, like, Patrick Stewart in particular is, I think, more of a standout in this movie than the other movie. 
Um, there's Ooh. there's some like weird plot stuff with generations that and, you know maybe at some point we may watch it. I may change my mind Whoa. and decide to watch it. So who knows? <laughs> um, but I think like in particular, I think Patrick Stewart's really good in this movie, and I think that and also like like we've been saying, Alfre Woodard is also like very she's great in this movie. Like she could like. There's a lot of actors who do stuff on with Star Trek and you can kind of tell like they don't really care and they just kind of phone it in and like she's turning in a very good performance. Oh, she's committed um, as shit. And so like I don't know, I think there's enough like good like really good acting performances in this movie mm-hmm. that I think it stands out a little more and again like I think the story's a little cleaner even though there's the time travel stuff that can, can be kind of confusing. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, I think like I think it's just is a, just a kind of a cleaner, better movie than the first one. Is the plot, is the first movie, like, did they come out with those? I mean, obviously because the, the show was a huge su- success, right? Mm-hmm. But is the first movie, like, trying to tell a somewhat origin story at all? Like, no. other no. shows to, to movies have done? Or are they just kind of like... It's a continued this is a longer version of the show. Yeah, it's just a, it's a continued adventure of the the crew on the same ship. There's no yeah, there's no origin story to it other than like you kind of get your first the like you understand how long uh Whoopi Goldberg's character has been around because in the first movie like the first scene takes place 76 years before the current, you know, next generation crew. And mm. she's present on the ship 76 years ago. So you kind of get a sense of like, wow, she's been alive for a long time. So, <laughs> um, yeah, that that's, that's I think that's maybe the the other unfortunate thing about this movie is that Whoopi Goldberg's character is not in it. Yeah, yeah, that was that was a uh, a bummer. But I wonder, I don't know. I thought it was funny that then there's sort of this bond between. Patrick Stewart and Alfred Woodard I was like does does the captain have a type like what's yeah, happening there's a little bit, he, he does <laughs> seem to have like either like really strong relationships or like attractions to like black women which like yeah. again like I you know it's I, I think it's really hard to or you know easy to understate like how much the fact that like this TV show for me growing up created a society where race doesn't like like race exists but it's not like a you don't treat people differently based on race or Mm -hmm. anything like that and you're like watching the show and this movie you know as much as like in the 90s you know it wasn't so taboo to have like uh you know a black woman and a white man be friends the fact that like you know, there's that scene where where she's got the phaser pointed at him and he kind of, like, talks her down and then he, like, holds her hand while they, like, look out over this, like, force field thing. And, like, you're watching, like, a bond growing between, like, this authoritative white man mm-hmm. and this this black woman who is, like, just sort of, like, what the fuck is happening? Yeah. And you're watching this relationship grow and it's it's, again, it's really easy to understate how much watching star trek and you know like again like uh, we talked about with rainier now like how like 40 years ago whenever we did that episode (laughs) um that like you know what i would i would go to the south end with my dad and we'd play basketball and and stuff you know like so i was i was from an early age like around different people of of color but watching star trek where they it's it's not an issue and like i know that Mm -hmm. was a big deal with the original series where um Uhura was was you know never treated as the black character she was just treated as a character and Mm -hmm. so much of Star Trek is just like you know for me like growing up seeing like you know Geordi LaForge and and Worf and Whoopi Mm -hmm. Goldberg's character Guinan like just being a part of the crew and nobody you know there's never a you know a a story or or a backhanded comment about like their Mm -hmm. skin color it's always just like they're just character, you know, like they are just people amongst the ship and having stories in these movies and TV shows that are just like, it's just a, a normalized thing that of course there are 
people of other skin colors that are in these relationships. And you're right. Like it, it, you know, it's kind of funny that like Picard seems to have a, a type, which is like pattern. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's a, a good observation. <laughs> no. And I, I agree with you. I mean, I didn't grow up with watching him, but I, I do know that that's like a huge thing that people have talked about. And, and I, it's not even like, I mean, it is that the, the the actors of color that they have hired to play characters of color is also not talked about because it in this world that they created is like there's nothing to talk about mm-hmm. it's just like we hired a person on our fleet like whatever but also like even when they write it it's not like they had people of color on the team but they're like only doing the like lesser tasks or whatever right. they're competent and like running their field like Jordy has his job and he's like the authority in his job and like the same with other folks on the team and uh and i yeah i wonder if maybe like that was also an important thing about the movie maybe they tried a book like when they were writing the movie Maybe they try to see if Whoopi Goldberg was going to be on, but then when they didn't, they were like, well, we still need, we still want, like, representation. Sure. I would another way. I don't know that they were thinking about it in that way, but I, it would be cool to know that they, like, meant to do that um, because if, like, they couldn't book Whoopi Goldberg right. for that role, then they were like, well, we need to write in a different character or something like that or make sure that these characters are hired Um to represent different people and uh yeah i i do think that it's it, it's one of the things that they've done really well yeah i throughout. it it feels like to me just from like the perspective of like the other like half the crew is just sort of in like underwritten roles in this movie that like I don't really think that Whoopi Goldberg would have had a lot to do in this movie to be right. There's, there's a lot happening to be fair. Like there's a lot of Borg stuff and then they're all sort of split up, right? Like data is things are happening with data and separately things are happening with Jordy and things are happening separately with, uh, uh, Patrick Stewart so then like would you have to write a, a fifth plot for Ruby Goldberg right. to it, fill in like kinda, that, that's just like gets messy yeah she doesn't really fit into like because like the stuff that's happening on the Enterprise is like mostly action and then like mm-hmm. this like she I guess she could have been a person who was on the, the surface who was like trying to blend in with the other people like I I guess she could have done yeah. something there but it just it feels like she would have been brought in to just kind of be a cameo in a movie which like yeah, you know, like yeah. I, then I, what's the point of that? Yeah, yeah. and I, also her character in the show is she's like an ambassador or something. Like she only pops in and out. Yeah, she's of not the, in the she, series. Yeah, she's only in. I'd say maybe like at most like a third of the episodes. Like she just kind of pops in and out. So it's not like she's a main character of the show. She just is yeah. around semi often. Yeah, and to to your point, like I do think like sure in the 90s like having people on screen you know having like a white dude and and a black woman like sort of have this bonding you know i i don't i don't i can't think of another biracial like couple on like major screen of the time like i don't like although like in the 90s like on the streets it was like more normal and normalized and like appreciated but on screen i don't i there's not a lot at that time and so i think like that's a huge impact of like having folks like to see that like biracial even if it's not said that they are like they're not a couple in the movie but there's like this strong chemistry bond yeah that sort of ends on like a sweet kiss on the cheek thing like Mm -hmm. it's so like hollywood american i love it um like I watched that and I'm like, I want to eat apple pie and like <laughs> fucking like blast. I don't know. Like Bruce Springsteen. Like it's so <laughs> cute. And, um, it, but like, I, I can't think of another movie that had that Yeah, it's oh, a, at the time. It's, it's not like a, it was not like forbidden, but it certainly did feel a little more taboo than it probably, you know, would now. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I, I think that's a, that's a thing that, um, 
I forget what the movie is. It's a documentary about Star Trek, but Nichelle Nichols, who played Uhura, tells a story about um, when she was doing the show, after the first season, she thought about leaving. And, you know, who knows how much of this story is true, but um, she was thinking about leaving, and then she got, like, a phone call from Martin Luther King Jr., who was just like, um, I heard, you know, like, I heard you were thinking about leaving the show, or, or like... You know, she, he said something like, how's the show going? And she said she was thinking about leaving. And he told her, like, you can't, like, it's, what you're doing is too important to what we're trying to accomplish. That, like, you are a member of the crew. You're not the black member of the crew. You're a member yeah. of the crew. And for those of us who are watching, it means too much to us to lose you. And she was just like, I had oh. no idea that this was something that was getting like cultural. Like I just thought it was on a TV show and I had had no idea that this was like such a a thing that had such cultural impact. So she was like, I can't leave the show now. And so she ended up staying on and doing the movies and yeah. Holy shit. Also like, never mind that it's like, I mean, it is still considered like nerdy stuff now, but Star Trek is way more popular now than like i mean it was a popular show at the time but it's like still was seen as this like nerdy sci-fi shit that yeah. like not everybody watches so i could see how she might have been thinking like i mean is it really a big like are people watching yeah. like i don't know it's just like so specific you mm-hmm. know like not and and perhaps she had other reasons that she needed to leave she thought she wanted to leave for but um i could see how maybe at the time it didn't feel as impactful yeah and then to i don't know that's a crazy story yeah it's like that gave me chills that's insane um (laughs) so liza this is your first viewing of the movie Mm -hmm. um out of wait my turn oh god sorry (laughs) sorry you're hosting i'm taking over um out of oh shit i should come with some real good now that i totally plowed through that uh out of five uh, sweaty, muscly Patrick Stewart yeah. tank tops, wife beaters or whatever the fuck he was wearing. Was it like Ala Bruce Willis? I don't remember. It was like a, it was like a gray tank top. So I think it was like mm-hmm. very diehard esque. Mm-hmm. Out of uh, five sweaty, muscular tank tops what do you give this viewing of uh star trek first contact uh i think i'd easily give it four out of five sweaty gray patrick stewart busting out of it with his muscles tank tops um (laughs) i like this movie a lot as a kid i was i was um pleasantly surprised how much i liked it now just because based on I think the story's pretty good. And again, Patrick Stewart just like carries his, this movie. Yeah. For me, I think easy four. how about you? Yeah. Um, Hmm. I, my gut wants to say like a two and a half Mm -hmm. because it's still like two nineties. And I've talked about this when we did the show is like, there's, too much of the like sciencey gobbledygook mm-hmm. that like on like a monotone white man to white man conversation instead uh-huh. of I just like detach like I'm disinterested I like could not care more um but there is so much like chemistry and representation for the 90s and like the acting is phenomenal and it's like a little too long for like but for a genre that I'm not already like not a huge I don't know it's not like my favorite genre or whatever mm-hmm. so it felt a little too long but ultimately I had a lot of fun watching so I'm gonna give it a three all right out of five fair fair I it's hard to yeah it would be hard to like I mean you jumped into a the second movie of a <laughs> tv show that went seven seasons so like it's there's a lot that you're not getting just based on like and also yeah it's a it's an acquired taste because so much of it is you're right is like scientific gobbledygook like (laughs) 
you know, what are they going to do with the deflector dish? Oh, da, 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 da. And, you know, like it's just like a lot of like ins and like ins and outs of like, well, this is why this works and this is how this works. Um, yeah. Also, I want to point out one of my favorite yeah. one of my favorite lines of the movie is uh, James Cromwell is trying to get away from all the people from the Enterprise. And he goes, mm-hmm. I'm going to go take a leak. And then Jordy's like, leak? <laughs> I don't detect any leak. And he goes, don't you people from the 24th century ever take a piss? And he goes, oh, leak. Very funny. And it's just like, I guess like <laughs> those sort of jokes have just disappeared. <laughs> like just out of the zeitgeist, whatever. And so it's just like, yeah, it's a very cute. I know. Scene. I was like, yeah. It was a very like let's let's put a little bit of silly sprinkle throughout mm-hmm. this very pretty serious overall action movie like yeah. i don't know like i did think i did chuckle but not so much at the writing but more at like seeing it as this like okay they wanted a like comic relief second yeah but like yeah it's like really like jordy didn't could did like they're supposed to be like top-notch scientists and like cultural oh so much and they go through these like they go through time travel and encounter new cultures all the time but like he couldn't pick up on the joke like what (laughs) where where did he miss out you know like that was kind of funny in that way like it just felt a little like the writers were like we're gonna write this in (laughs) all right liza you ready for the surprise prize Let's do it, Fernando. Hit it, Fernando. I love you, Fernando. We love you, Fernando. Goodbye, Fernando. Get out of here, Fernando. <laughs> Welcome to this week's surprise prize. Um, for those of you that like jumped in this episode for the very first time, I'm just going to remind everybody, surprise prize is uh, the time where I will bring up something that Andrew doesn't know about. Or the other way around. Mm-hmm. So it's a surprise for everyone. Good primer. I, I forget that sometimes we might have new <laughs> listeners who are just like, what the fuck are they talking about? What's a surprise? Who prize? is Fernando? Like- <laughs> and we also didn't explain who Fernando is. Tune in next time. We'll give you a long history we'll on who Fernando you. is. <laughs> His bio. Yeah. Um, so this week is sort of a um, moment for me. It's a, it's a grievance moment. Uh-oh. Well, is it a grievance? It's more like I'm finding, uh, I'm f- feeling vindictive. No, wait, what's the word? What is happening? <laughs> like, Liza has a hit list, apparently, and she is, she's coming for somebody, and I hope it's not me, but we'll see. I want to play something to you and the audience to prove that I'm not completely insane. That's the, that's the feeling that I'm feeling. Okay. What do you call that? Ready to hear? I uh, this feels like sour grapes, but I. Um, yeah, here you go. Willing to, I'm willing to sit through this, Liza. I have no idea what you're talking about, but okay. So just a little bit of primer. Uh, I listen to this podcast called Heavyweight. Uh, the host is uh, Jonathan Goldstein. He used to be on This American Life a lot, and a lot like that podcast is like about sort of like um coming to closure with like past regret it's like the biggest thing i could say Uh but anyway he'll hold like he'll like talk to one person he knows or like that someone knows and they like talk about something that had happened in the past a really long time ago and then they'll go find the people and like talk to them sometimes it's like family members or like old school friends or something Mm -hmm. anyway this particular one is with his one of his producers, Bobby, who like, or he's their like sound engineer, who used to be a musician, in like a old school like sort of late eighties, early nineties garage band. Mm-hmm. 
and that's it. I'm just going to start playing. And it's just like a few, like maybe a minute of of it. So sure. get um, ready. She's, she's playing this from her phone over the microphone. So we may replace the audio later. But if it sounds weird, that's that's why. Because we just didn't <laughs> replace it. So Bobby joins me in the studio and tells me how his love of music first blossomed back in middle school. Oh around the time he met a boy named Jake. He sat in the back of the bus where the cool kids sat. And I think he was wearing like a leather jacket, a punk band t-shirt, and he had blue hair. Bobby's hair was a nerdy brown. He played nerdy sax in the nerdy school band. And here was Jake, who played punk rock electric guitar. Bobby was starstruck. He started dressing like Jake in band t-shirts and tight punky jeans he found in the girls' section at Cole's. He even begged his parents for a drum kit so he and Jake could form a band. I credit Jake. 100% with teaching me everything about like being in a band and and punk music and then he taught me everything you know there were a lot of times we'd be sitting together and both with our own cd players and headphones on like in different worlds and listening to different records but just together you know bobby listening to jimmy eat world jake to no effects both of them eating gummy sharks and dreaming about the music they wanted to make with a couple more friends, they formed a band. And even though they were so young, it wasn't long before they were booking shows. Their first gig was at a local record store. I was super, super nervous. And I was kind of just trying to hide behind my drums. But um, Jake just kind of has this like British punk rock sneer, singing in this snotty little kind of punk singing voice and like looking very cool with his bass. This is a song of theirs called Nundivided. Bobby, age 13, is on drums, and Jake, age 12, is singing. Now, I don't know how old the guys in Green Day are, and I don't particularly like Green Day, but if you told me this was Green Day, I'd say, hey, Green Day is not as bad as I thought they were. That's how good Bobby and Jake were, even as children. Turn this off, Liza. Turn this off. I knew exactly as soon as they started talking about punk music <laughs> that this is where this was going. But I was like, okay, maybe you I like this. I am vindicated. <laughs> you all motherfuckers are wrong. Me and Jonathan Goldstein are right. Everything sounds like Green Day. <laughs> Busted. No, no, nobody's I busted. I am the Hulk. No, nobody, nobody is busted, okay? You have a problem distinguishing Green Day songs from other songs like Jonathan Goldstein. You are two people out of the entire world so far because as, as we've done, Jillian knows Green Day better than you. Taylor knows Green Day better than you. I, I There are multiple people who have played this game while listening who have known green day better than you so i i love that there's another person out there for you to like you can commiserate <laughs> with jonathan goldstein about like whoa hey how is this on green day you can both high five and laugh and and like be to be friends together for this thing but it doesn't make the thing that you cannot do well correct so i don't care I'm still, I feel, I feel, I feel seen. Good, good for you. Like truly, if it, if it makes you happy, Liza, I'm happy for you. But, um, this is not like a a moment where like, like a theory of yours was proven right. And like that, like the rest of us are wrong and all Green Day songs and all Jimmy World songs sound the same as each other. Mm, But is it? I feel like that's exactly what I'm saying. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. (laughs) Yeah, that is what you're saying. It doesn't make it right because someone else said it. Whatever, it's not a conspiracy, it's a true theory. Uh, Liza, I'm I'm extremely thrilled for you. What a great day. A great green day. Did you yeah, oh boy, okay. <laughs> ah, people are loving me mm, on this people, episode. People are loving me. Um well if you love Liza a lot, you can get more of Liza by uh subscribing to our Patreon page and getting our Bonus episodes every other week. We release them on every other Tuesday. It's uh, five bucks a month, and you get those episodes along with episode bonus episodes of the Gentleman Overlord. So, uh, Ooh. get that, get on that, subscribe, and get bonus Liza that you love so much.
That's right. Double trouble. Double double trouble. And then uh, while you're at it, uh, <laughs> go go uh, follow us on Instagram, Instagram.com slash throwback to school. And then on Twitter, Twitter.com slash TBT school. And then Facebook. But, you know, that's fuck right. Fa- but then uh, fuck Facebook. Whatever. Um, I guess if you're like a boomer if you're still on facebook you can go see us yeah there. it it doesn't get updated but it is there so you can um you can hang out and like look at our face like you can see like a post from like a year ago and if that thrills you then great follow give it a follow wow <laughs> and uh, it's like a throwback within the throwback that's right it's a throwback to our previous throwbacks um the Facebook is a time capsule. The Facebook Use is it like well. it's like time travel. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. No, that's right. All right, everybody. Uh, we'll see you tomorrow. See you tomorrow. Burr, burr. <laughs>